This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General. Sean McClain. Welcome. 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 So you told Hey, everybody. How we doing? Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed the conference title games. We are here for you to talk about both those games and the Texans head coaching search. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. It is the we're recording this on Monday, January 30th. So uh, who knows when news of a uh, new Texans head coach will pop here at any point. But we're going to dig into all the angles on that and uh, a whole lot more. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, joined as always by the legend, the Hall of Famer, my good friend, and the senior Texans columnist for SportsRadio610.com and GallerySports.com, John McClain. John, before we get into all the uh, all the Texans news and the NFL stuff, normally I'm looking at you on the Zoom here and you're sitting in your living room, but you look to be in a uh, a hotel room in a tropical place right now. Where are you? I am in Palm City, Florida, which is a suburb, of, a wealthy suburb of uh, Palm Beach and uh, Jim Crane's golf course, the Floridian, which is about as exclusive as it comes, hosted the Mr. October Foundation Celebrity Charity Golf Tournament. And they had a big dinner on Sunday night and the golf tournament was Monday and they had 30-something Hall of Famers from baseball and football, and, and uh, it was a blast getting to hang out there and do interviews for gallery sports uh, with Hall of Famers from both sports, and Reggie Jackson and Jim Crane, a lot of the Astros, so it's really got me pumped about two things, because a lot of them asked me about D'Amico Ryans and the Texans, if he was coming, and I said, it sure looks like it, and and then, of course, a lot of the talks about the Astros uh, returning to spring training on, uh, I think, day after Valentine's Day, yep. pitchers and catchers, and a week later, all the vets will have their first, and the rest of them will have their first full squad workout. So it was hard not to get extra fired up. It was funny, during the dinner, they had TVs everywhere, 
and people are watching the championship games and trying to focus on Reggie Jackson speaking, and it was a great event after it ended. Right at the end of the Bengals game, nobody would leave because they were watching the outcome of that game, anticipating overtime. Mm, yeah. John, when you go to stuff like this, I mean, you mentioned all those Astros are there, Hall of Famers are there, Reggie Jackson is there, the whole thing. I mean, you've been doing this a long time. Do you still kind of – do you do you get, like, young John McClain excited for this stuff? And when you go to stuff like this, do you go into it thinking, man, there's this one, one person who I've never talked to or who I've talked to, but it was a long time ago. Like, did you go into this, like, thinking, I really want to talk to – Fill in name of person here. The one I wanted to talk to is Reggie Jackson. And uh, while I'm interviewing Reggie today on the veranda of the Floridian before the tournament, and he wasn't in a hurry, and I'm sitting there thinking, a 12-year-old me, all-star mm -hmm. playing Little League, pretending I was a lot of these guys, and I'm thinking, here's Mr. October, and – Reggie doesn't weigh near what he weighed. He looks a little smaller. And I'm thinking about all the mammoth home runs he hit uh, when he played for multiple teams, especially the A's and the Yankees. And I'm thinking, I can't wait to call my brother in Waco and say, you're not going to believe who I just interviewed today. And because uh, I was kind of in awe of him. And when we're talking about Mr. October, and I interviewed a lot of the Astros and and I knew that some of the Pro Football Hall of Famers, and so I'm around them a lot. But uh, being with Reggie Jackson, I thought once he went to work for Jim Crane as a special advisor, at some point I might bump into him because he's become good friends with Mattress Mac. And uh, having him recount certain th questions I ask him, it was just uh, kind of captivating. And all, awe-inspiring, and he was gracious, and he was good as all of them were. And I used to play like I was him in the backyard, mimicking his stance and trying to mimic the way he trotted around the bases. And then here I was interviewing him. How old is he now, John? I think he's like 76. Okay. Uh, yes. He just turned 70, 76. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, he's yeah, obviously legendary. Do you have uh I mean, you've interviewed thousands of people. Do you have anybody still on your list that you would like to interview that you've never interviewed that you think you'd have a shot at doing it at some point? <laughs> Somebody asked me one time if I could have lunch or dinner with anybody alive. Who yeah. Would be. I said Paul McCartney. I would okay. love to talk about talk to Paul McCartney because the Beatles shaped my life from the time I was in fifth grade uh, forever. And uh, he's just somebody I've admired from afar. Of course, I'll never get to to uh, do that and athletes, you know, I like Reggie. I, I, the only reason I thought about one interview him was because I knew he had become associated with Astros figured I'd run into him at one point. And uh, this was a great day to do it. And I wrote a column about him presenting his first Mr. October award to a player for excellence in October. And you know who it was. It was the MVP of the championship series and the world series, Jeremy Pena. He gave Pena a trophy that was humongous. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Pena was very gracious and accepting. And a lot, he said that ever since he met Reggie in the dugout, that uh, he's been a mentor. And I think there's quite a few Astros that might feel the same way since Reggie's around all the time, wearing that pass around his neck, sitting in the dugout, holding court. And I'm guessing Pena is not the only one that thinks that way. 
And uh, so he he was the one. When I got to Houston in 76, and I'd only been in Waco for four years, and in Waco, I didn't, first time I was ever in a, that was odd, was a guy I grew up with, Pat Zachary, pitched nine years, was mm-hmm. rookie of the year in 76 with a big red machine. And I went into the dugout, and he introduced me to Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, Don Gullett, Tony Perez, all these star Reds. And, you know, we're talking about big-time Reds, George Foster. And, boy, I'm trying to I'm trying to act like you've been here. Act like you've been here. Don't, <laughs> let, your, don't let your knees knock. And the next time, of course, was the first time I went to the Hall of Fame, and I was around – a lot of them are dead now, and I was around those guys, and I'm thinking, how did I go from Waco to Canton, Ohio, to being in this room with all these Hall of Famers? Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's an it's an amazing run, John. No doubt, no doubt about that. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. Well, you mentioned D'Amico Ryans. You mentioned people uh, picking your brain and seeing seeing uh, seeing what you thought about that. It sounds like that the, uh, the steam has picked up significantly here on the interest between both parties and getting something done. I guess just what, what are your... Um, uh, do you do you have any sort of timetable or when you think we might might be hearing something here and what's left to be done to get this stuff to get to get this tied down and get D'Amico to be the head coach of this football team? They've only interviewed him on Zoom. He's going to come to Houston and do an interview, and I think they'll get it wrapped up as soon as I saw Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles' defensive coordinator, who had interviewed three times and was supposed to come in for an interview. Announced he's staying with the Eagles. I knew they told him he was no longer a candidate. Hmm. Just like Dan Quinn, all the Cowboy fans, oh, he wants to come back to the Cowboys. And no, he didn't have any head coaching offers. And so I knew it. And the thing about D'Amico, and I I interviewed Warren Moon today because he lives on the West Coast. He lives in Seattle. So he watches all the Seahawks games and the 49ers. And he was good talking about D'Amico from a technical standpoint, from what he had seen as a coach. And then, of course, he he spends a lot of time in Houston because his kids, all but one kid, are there. And he was talking about knowing how fired up everybody is. I said, kind of like when you were unrestricted free agent in 1984 and a bunch of teams, including the Giants, the Buccaneers, the Oilers, the Seahawks, were pursuing you. It got all kind of attention all over the country. Mm-hmm. Then it came down to Seattle and Houston, and when Warren signed – the biggest contract in NFL history. Are you sitting down, Sean? Five years, $5 million. People oh, my like, God. Oh, my God. How is the sport going to survive, John, the giving that kind of money to players? Pay that. And it was a big deal when he signed to play behind Bruce Matthews and Mike Munchak, who had been picked in the first round the two previous years, and all three of them are in the Hall of Fame. And, and, but this one, of course, because of social media and talk shows, it's even bigger. And so my lead on my column that I'm writing for Gallery Sports 
is that this will be the biggest decision in McNair, the best decision the McNair family has made since Bob McNair spent $700 million to bring the NFL back to Houston. And one reason you don't drag it out, assistant coaches. There's a lot of them out there. D'Amico's already talked to him in an interview about who he wants to hire at what position on both sides of the ball. He plays a 4-3. That'll fit right in with what Casario's been doing for Lovey Smith's defense the last two years. and But you, that's why it's tough to be with hire a guy who wins or loses the Super Bowl because so many of the coaches already have jobs. And uh, so I expect they get it done this week. They announce it, and then D'Amico, first thing he'll do is he's got – I'd be surprised if he's not already calling coaches. No, he wouldn't do that. That'd be against the league rules. That's Nobody tampering, John. For so, oh, you yeah. know, like it, it breaks the rules. You can't break oh, the yeah. rules. Oh, yeah. Nobody would do that. So yeah. I think Houston fans are going to be pumped. I also talked to Moon, who told me he's followed Bryce Young since he was in high school in L.A. and what he thinks about him and C.J. Stroud. So I'll be writing, I'll be writing that uh, right after we get D'Amico settled. John, not to spoil your column, does Warren Moon like both of those quarterback prospects? Yeah, he said he knows more. He he said he he really, really got behind Stroud when he watched him in the Rose Bowl hmm. against Washington when he threw like six touchdown passes. Uh, Spent the jig by had like 300-something yards, and he was incredible. He said the guy can throw the ball. He doesn't have weaknesses, and he says that – the only thing, and of course, this is nothing we don't know that everybody talks about, and he can't wait till the combine to see how much young weighs and how tall he is. Mm-hmm. And he thinks by then he will have eaten enough to be at least 200 pounds because I don't think there's been a quarterback taken in the first round less than 200. And he says, no matter how much you love him because of his size, meaning his how thin he is that you got to worry, can he stand up to a 17-game season and you hope playoffs? But uh, he like he really loves Bryce Young, just like we do. Yep. Well, and if it's D'Amico and Bryce Young, there's an Alabama connection there too. So there is there is that. Um, John, I guess if as far as D'Amico goes, if we can divorce ourselves for a second of just the fact that he's beloved here because he played here, because of what a great guy he is. You obviously know him. You know him personally, very closely. If we can divorce ourselves of all that, you've watched all these coaching cycles and all these different different candidates through the years, you know, go through the ringer. And how it winds up is not always the same as how they're looked going in. Obviously, not all these coaches are going to survive. But as far as if we're grading them at the prospect level before they before they've coached a game, just the level of prospect that they are to be a head coach, what would you what what kind of prospect is D'Amico Ryans is he like a five-star coaching prospect is he considered a primo coaching prospect he's the hottest defense he's the hottest assistant coach in the NFL this year because he's done a great job NFC championship game two years in a row as a coordinator replacing Robert Sala how much John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and others in that organization think of him and uh, you never know when a guy's never been a head coach and he has as little experience as a as a, uh, a coach as he does. I, I wrote a column uh, this week with Kyle Shanahan talking about him from a technical standpoint, being a leader and everything. And he would he would unite the fan base. I, you know, people want Kubiak was big. Gary had a lot of Super Bowl rings. 
when he was hired. And he came from Denver, big time team. And he came home to Houston and news conference was so big. They added it, the Moody center downtown. It was mm. packed with family, friends and fans. And, and uh, D'Amico has a lot of ties to Houston, but when it comes to, to him, if he, he would have could have interviewed in, in Indianapolis and he could have interviewed in Arizona. And Denver, and I wrote this also in a column, the Texans didn't want to get in a bidding war uh, against the Walmart money. The Broncos' new owners, who have $60 billion, um, and the Broncos last week were thinking they had the best shot to get him. And then I think word started getting back to them, maybe from his agent, Jimmy Sexton, that that he was, uh, there's a good chance he was leaning to Houston. It's his dream job, you know, the fact that, he got married in Houston, Pearland, I think, actually. They've got a – he and his wife established a home for wayward kids, I think, in Angleton during a pandemic. And uh, they're building a house in Houston. It's just such a natural fit, Sean. It fits like a glove. But if he doesn't go out and hire good coaches, if he doesn't hire go- – <laughs> we know what can happen if you don't have a good play caller and offensive coordinator <laughs> – and hopefully he won't just hire his friends. He'll go out and hire legitimate assistant coaches. Money's not going to be a factor. I don't think money is a factor with D'Amico. He's got a great agent, Jimmy Sexton. But if he wanted to sit there and hold out and squeeze the Walmart money out of Denver, he probably could have done it. But he he wants this job. You know, this is his dream job, and the Texans want him. It's just It's just such a natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And and Denver, you know, too, John, I admire. Look, he probably could have at least entertained Denver to try to get some leverage and squeeze maybe a little more out of the Texans. And the fact that at least it doesn't appear that he's done that. We don't know what the final numbers look like for the contract, but that that this is, is it's starting to kind of reading the tea leaves look like, hey, once he had a chance to to do this Zoom with the McNairs and with Casario, he it confirmed what he was hoping he'd feel about this job and that it's the right job. Because as you point out, he's not doing second interviews with the uh, – did he even do first interviews with the Colts and the Cardinals? I, I the, No, he canceled okay. them because they, they were all Zooms last week. Okay, that's right. He canceled them because they had to get ready I mean, for the, the playoffs. Yeah, the week before, he said it was because of that, but he didn't reschedule. Mm-hmm. And that was very telling. That's why people thought it came down to Houston or Denver. People in Denver were getting kind of cocky about it. Yes. Like we can get whoever we want. Yep. And if it'd been any other candidate picking between those two, one team sells out every game. Another couldn't give away tickets. The other one's got tradition. This one doesn't. The other one has a fabulous uh, practice facility. This one doesn't. And it, it, but it's the fact that he wants to come back to his second home. When he was out of football for a year, he was living in Houston and sometime coaching high school football, including going back to his high school in Bessemer, Alabama. When Kyle Shanahan called him about somebody else and they started talking and Kyle said, well, have you, have you thought about getting into coaching at, at the, at a higher level. And he said, well, I kind of like coaching this year. And Kyle hired him turned out to be a great move. And hopefully it'll end up being a great move for the Texans. Can you imagine Sean? What if it fell apart at the last minute, (laughs) they ended up hiring somebody like say Mike Kafka. You talk about a buzzkill. Oh my God. My 
goodness. Okay, yeah, God, whoever it is, God bless that person. <laughs> it would have fall apart. Kind of like Nick Sirianni. They didn't want him in Philadelphia. Now, of course, they're ready to erect a statue if they win the season. He's the talk of the town. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that's a good segue, John. Let's spend a few minutes on those conference title games. Um, the Eagles in a walkover against the Niners, the game that was pretty much over once Brock Purdy's arm got twisted and contorted in the first quarter. And then the Bengals and the Chiefs in a much closer game that had plenty of plenty of controversy, I guess I would say. Um, any any crumbs left over from the Eagles and the Niners that are worth digging into? I mean, D'Amico is the big one for us, and we just spent plenty of time um on him but uh Jalen Hurts taking the Eagles to to a, a Super Bowl so he's he's inside that velvet rope now John of guys who've been to Super Bowls this is this sounds terrible but I gotta say D'Amico losing is fine with me because he yeah. can come to the Texans quicker otherwise they'd had to wait till after the Super Bowl and I interviewed a bunch of football Hall of Famers. All of them are picking Philadelphia, not because of Jalen Hurts or the running game, but their great pass rush. Mm -hmm. I interviewed Mike Singletary, who was the captain, the middle linebacker of the greatest pass rush in NFL history, the 85 Bears and the 86 Bears. And we think Philadelphia had a lot of sacks with 70 in regular season, five, I think eight more in the playoffs. They had 80 just in regular season before they blew through the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. And uh, all of them, Tutal Jones, all of them were talking about that. Eagles, not just the defensive line, but the great offensive line that protects Hurts and allows them to have a tremendous running game. And all of them, of course, expressed so much admiration for Patrick Mahomes. I felt, I felt I'm happy for the Eagles, but, man, you play the Giants – and then you get Josh Johnson and the 49ers with a fourth quarterback. They think they're going to get a little bit tougher test in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're living right for sure. I was really hoping that the Bengals would win the AFC title game because I was looking forward to betting the over on the number of sacks for the Eagles defense <laughs> against for, for real against that Bengals. I don't know if it means Eagles would have won the game, but I know they would have sacked Joe Burrow about six times based on how that defense or that offensive line played for the Bengals. John, that game, I would say probably the thing that's got everybody talking is the call at the very end that set up the game-winning field goal for the Chiefs, the um, the shove out of bounds on Patrick Mahomes by rookie Joseph Asai out of the University of Texas. Um, it was out of bounds. You can still frame the thing and, I guess, rationalize whether or not it was a good call or a bad call. Certainly, it was a it was a call. If you're someone who doesn't like the game being determined by officiating calls, you were very disappointed that that call was made. Where do you come out on that on that call, the validity of it, um, and, and just uh, what did you think? I heard through the grapevine that a couple of Hollywood producers were calling Holmes' agent, Lee Steinberg, <laughs> to see if they could get him to acting. They've seen him in the State Farm commercials because if you watch it slow motion, yes, it was a penalty. You can't do it. But, man, he played it to the hilt. It was Oscar-worthy. 
Yeah. And I felt terrible for Osai, and he was crying afterward, and they were trying to console him. But you know what? Allowing that kickoff return to go back to midfield, that's a special team's breakdown. Yep. Yep. It was terrible. If they'd had him on the 25-yard line, it had been a 15-yard penalty. It wouldn't have been a killer like that. But uh, it was a tough way for the Bengals to go down. But uh, I think uh, nobody was disappointed to see Patrick Mahomes in there. Uh, you just hate to see a call, even though it was a legitimate call. You could not uh, – he was across the white line and shouldn't have put his hands on him. And it was a it was a bad call, but uh, that's not what cost them the game. The first no. thing did first thing it did was the special teams breakdown. Yep, and and bro, a couple of turnovers, a couple of interceptions. Although the one interception, the one they were able to kind of weather the storm. The one he had late in the first half, and they kind of weathered the storm after that one. The other one where where the announced team, where it was Romo and Nance, I think was the deep ball, the deep shot that he took that got kind of batted up in the air and then the guy intercepted it. The net wound up, it was a third down, so if it was incomplete, they would have wound up punting. The net wound up being 50 yards. I mean, that interception yeah. basically just wound up being a punt, and the, the announcers didn't didn't even really point that out. Um, so I was, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I could, John, I could do a whole podcast on Tony Romo and, and his just <laughs> – how much worse he's gotten as a color analyst over the last few years. He's a tough watch and a tough listen right now in these games. It's amazing, and he used to be so popular, and everybody loved his anticipation and prediction of what was coming. I'm so glad that Devontae Smith's long catch that wasn't didn't end up costing San Francisco that game. Yeah, And uh, because that was – egregious when we saw it the ball clearly hit the ground and shouldn't have been allowed but as it is it didn't matter you don't want officiating decisions to factor in and i don't despite those penalty i don't think that people can say it did yeah and uh you hope of course when they get the super bowl that officiating is not even noticed what's your early read on the super bowl or at least you and i are going to do a couple more of these between now and the super bowl so no predictions or anything like that yet we've got a couple weeks to digest that but what are the early storylines with this super bowl that intrigue you the most if you were going out there to cover it as a writer what would your what what would your uh you know your first angle be that you would go after with this game uh the the eagles pass rush with four linemen in double digits against Patrick Mahomes. Will he still have any mobility issues two weeks later? And I'm going to write a column about you have the first Super Bowl with black quarterbacks, and they're both, both native Texans. I think that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Kansas City's pass rush was overpowering, led by Chris Jones. He needs to get a raise, and he already makes a lot of money. And it was very underrated. And that when you're talking about what Philly would have done to Cincy, if you look what the Chiefs did, Philadelphia's got a better pass rush than the Chiefs. Yep. That's something to keep an eye on. The Eagles have a much better running game than the Chiefs do. And uh, of course, Mahomes is going to be the MVP. We're going to find out next week who's in the Hall of Fame, who all's winning the big awards. That one is easy. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes. And I'm I hope I'm been I'm Eagles all Eagles all the way. They got more balance. And I'd love to see Jalen Hurts bring on the Lombardi trophy to channel view. That'd be fun. Yeah. Eagles are two and a half point favorites, John, in that game. So they're favored by a little under a field goal right now. Fun fact for you here, John, especially you as someone who's on the Hall of Fame committee. Patrick Mahomes, I did this research myself. 
Um, with that win yesterday, he is the seventh quarterback to go to three Super Bowls in four years. The other six are all either Hall of Famers or will be Hall of Famers. I don't know if if you uh, I don't know you want to take a stab at any of these, John, as to who they are. The other six. Uh, I think I've already seen it, so it wouldn't be fair. Okay. Well, Fran Tarkenton, uh, Super Bowl eight, nine, and eleven. Roger Staubach. 10, 12, and 13. John Elway, before he was winning Super Bowls, he was losing them on the regular. Three out of four big, years. Big time losses, too. Yep, late 80s. Uh, Jim Kelly actually got to four in four years, lost all of those. And I, I'm going to hit pause right there, John. Those first four, Tarkenton, Staubach, Elway, and Kelly, their combined record in the Super Bowls involved in this trend, one in 12. <laughs> Staubach <laughs> against the Broncos is the only win oh, out of all those guys. Isn't that ow. wild? No, that is unbelievable. Now the trend changed with the last two guys, Troy Aikman, three and zero, and then Tom Brady did it. I guess twice you could call it. He went to three out of four his first four years as a starter, and then in 2016, 2017, 2018 with the Patriots, and then 2020 with the Bucks. He went. He was six and one in those games. His only loss, Nick Foles. <laughs> so. Um, so Brady's actually done it multiple times, the three out of four thing. But Mahomes is the seven. Those are all Hall of Famers, John. So Mahomes is in some some rare air right now. Isn't it amazing? The, the stat, I can certainly understand the stat with Brady and Aikman. But, man, I had no idea figuring up how bad the record was of the first four. Yeah. Is he the – is Mahomes, of all the guys, say, who are under – call it under 30, you know, the younger guys – is he the easiest lock right now for the Hall of Fame for guys like under the age of 30? I mean, Mahomes is he's been to five straight AFC title games. I feel like he feel like he could hang it up in two more years, especially if he wins another Super Bowl and what he will have done. And he wins another Super Bowl, he's already surpassed Kurt Warner. You know what I mean? And he's he's not even, I don't think he's even 28 years old yet. Scott, I think he could retire right now, yep. this day, not playing the Super Bowl, still be in the Hall of Fame. But there you go. He's almost like one of a kind based on what he does. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I was hoping you'd say. That's uh, I think you're spot on, John. All right. You want to do some for real or Fugazi's on our way out here, John rapid fire for real. Okay. For real. All right. So for those who are new to the podcast, welcome. First of all, secondly, uh, for real or Fugazi's a segment, John and I do once a week where I uh, come up with some statements. I read them as though they are fact. If they are fact, if John thinks they're fact, if he agrees with them, he says for real, if he thinks I'm off my rocker and these statements are false, he says, Bugazi. Bugazi. Italian for counterfeit. All right. Um, if Jalen Hurts wins the Super Bowl, he should get one of those big franchise quarterback contract extensions that Joe Burrow is going to get. For real or Fugazi? For real. He's been going into his fourth season, and he's made tremendous improvement each season. You know, he's only lost one game this season. The other two came when he was out, and that shows you how valuable he is to that franchise. They need to pay some big bucks for Jalen Hurts. All right, next one, John. If the Colts were going to hire Jeff Saturday, they'd have done it by now. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. I think they may end up hiring him. A lot of people are predicting it. But they've interviewed like 14, and they got it's crazy. calls in. Yes. Maybe they want to say – well, we were thorough, and despite interviewing all these guys that could be great head coaches, we're sticking with Saturday. Truthfully, 
I don't think Jim Irsay is going to bring back Saturday, but my goodness, it just looks suspicious. Yeah, it really does. John, have you have you looked at the other three openings yet to come up with a prediction? It feels kind of difficult. If, like As close as the Texans are to getting this D'Amico thing done, I don't feel like we're anywhere close to Arizona, Indianapolis, or Denver nailing down a coach. Although I would I would have said the same thing about Carolina, and they kind of, kind of hired Frank Reich out of nowhere last week. So who knows? I wonder if one of them, like Arizona or Denver, will end up hiring Sean Payton. Hmm. And I'd still think the odds are he's back at Fox. But if Denver's losing out and then they go interview Harbaugh again and it gets out, uh, they can pay Payton. But they, he, he, one of the things he doesn't like, and some others don't either, that new CEO, Greg Penner, yep. who is part of, he is married to uh, Rob Walton's daughter. And he and the daughter run the day to day duties of the franchise. And he has said publicly, the coach and GM will answer to me. And that's not a good setup. Either the coach answers to the GM or the coach has total control. You don't want to answer to a guy that just came into football. You're cruising for a bruising. Yep. Um, along those lines, John, for real or Fugazi, Denver is the worst opening of any of the coaching openings this offseason. Fugazi. I think that uh, things going on in Indianapolis <laughs> with Jim Irsay being as active as he is. And uh, even though Chris Ballard is a good general manager, Ursay makes decisions that everybody yeah. there says is not what Chris Ballard would do. And people think Chris Ballard's just biding his time before he's out of there and goes yeah. somewhere else. I feel like Ballard goes home each night and just walks over and he's probably got one of those nice little, like one of those nice little uh, kind of antique bar type tables that has like several snifters on it there and carafes of different types of scotch and whiskey. And I feel like he walks over, John, he takes a little pinchers, he grabs a cube, puts it in a glass and pours himself a stiff whiskey or scotch every night and just tips it back like this and then slaps the table and says, give me another. That, every night, I feel like that's his routine when he gets home from having to work with Jim Irsay. <laughs> Boy, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh, man. All right, let's do a couple more of these. Um, uh, of all the big time, I don't know if you saw John, but the pro days are set now for CJ Stroud, Bryce Young and Will Levis. They're back to back to back days in March, 22nd, 23rd and 24th. And in that order, Stroud, Young, Levis of all the big time quarterbacks of those three, the one whose pro day means the most is Will Levis for real or Fugazi for real. Everybody has Bryce Young and CJ Stroud one and two. Levis is the wild card. A lot of people have him not dropping any uh, lower than Carolina, but man, he's got a lot to prove because if you watch what he did at Kentucky this year, he was off target a lot. Now, a lot of it may have to do with the talent, the coaches. He's got everything they want, big size, big arm. He worked, he moves really well, but to me, he's a distant third. Mel Kuyper has him as the best quarterback prospect. Mm. I've seen a couple of mock drafts with people I respect have the Texans taking him. I don't see it unless D'Amico Ryans tells me afterward, that's the quarterback I wanted. And if D'Amico says that, that should be good enough. Mm, interesting. All right, two more. Dana Brown, the new uh, GM of the Astros. That's his name, right, John? Dana Brown? Dana Brown. Dana Brown. Um, he's nice and all, but this is still the Jeff Bagwell show for real or Fugazi. 
Gazy, after talking to Bagwell and talking to Crane, and one of the things Crane asked him, how much traveling did you do last John? <laughs> John's internet. <laughs> I think that's John's internet that went out. <laughs> All right. Well, with that in mind, if I could take a picture right now, I'm going to film this right now. John would have taken the job. Oh, John, you, you froze there for like 15 seconds. Um, you froze right as you were saying, you were talking to Jeff Bagwell, or you, you, you're at the event you're at talking to Jeff Bagwell, and then you froze. And what was scary was you froze on my screen with this look on your face. And I'm like, <laughs> I hope this is the internet and that, you know, this is not the Grim Reaper coming for you, John, but I'm glad to see you're still alive. So go ahead. You want me to start that over? Yeah, just go ahead. It's okay. still a podcast. So yeah, yeah. Boogazy. I think that uh, Dana Brown wouldn't have taken a job if he thought somehow Bagwell's going to have more power than he does. Bagwell doesn't want to do it full time, obviously, Crane trusting Bagwell was in on all the interviews and uh, Brown. One of the things Crane asked him, how much time you spent on the road last year? He said, 262 days. <laughs> he said, he'll fit right in. We're going to give him the resources to whatever he needs. And I think he's going to be a big success. They still got three official assistant GMs and Bagwell. So I think it'd be great if those guys can reach a consensus on players like the kind that were drafted and developed uh, with uh, Brown in Atlanta, including Rookie of the Year, Michael Harris, and and uh, number two, Spencer Strider. Yep. Um, 262 days. He knew the exact number of days he was on the road, huh? He must have just turned in travel expenses. Okay, there you go. All right, last one, John, because crawfish season is here. Crawfish is the caviar of the Gulf Coast, for real or Fugazi? For real, I say that because my wife is such a crawfish snob. She won't take it frozen. It has to be fresh. She did go, tries places all over the Houston area. And, boy, if you try to insult crawfish like I do, saying there's just not enough there to get full, you can eat seven pounds, and I'm not going to peel it, boy. Those are fighting words for a lot of people along the Gulf Coast. You can't mess with their crawfish. No, you're absolutely right. So, John, let me let me get this straight then. Do you you just don't like the inefficiency of eating crawfish? You're okay with how it tastes? Do you like crawfish? Like if if someone if you were to hire an intern just to peel your crawfish for you, would you eat the crawfish? Like dip it in the well, butter? Oh yeah, yeah, I've had my wife do it, but then she tells me order something else. She's gonna peel her own. I think it tastes good, and I love crawfish at toupee. Yeah, so yeah, if I had an intern just to peel my crawfish, I'd be eating five pounds at a time. I think you're at that stage, John. I think you're at the stage where you need to go ahead on ZipRecruiter, Indeed.com, and advertise for a crawfish peeler, I think. Well, I can't do that because it's not on the soda weight loss plan, and I've lost pounds under the soda weight loss plan. And if I can do it, I know you can too. Just go to SodaWeightLoss.com. Oh, man, look at that. A free live read for soda. Got to love that. <laughs> Got to love that. All right, John, good stuff. Uh, you mentioned in the in the course of this conversation, a few of the things you've got going on, but we can never over communicate enough. What are some things you've got going on as you are down in sunny Florida right now? I'm, I've written a column that is on uh, gallerysports.com about the uh, dinner, Mr. October Foundation dinner last night with a bunch of Astros uh, quoted about the Astros. Was My lead was Jeremy Pena getting the first Mr. October trophy from 
Mr. October himself. I'm working on one for Gallery Sports on D'Amico Ryan's. As soon as this deal is done, I'll have one up on sportsradio610.com, and I will talk to you at 8 o'clock on Wednesday morning when we do our next podcast. On Sports Radio 610, and we'll do our podcast right after that. Oh, yes, let's remind people, because this is a good time to start emailing in questions. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. That's the mailbag email address. So John and I are going to do our mailbag episode a little later this week. Who knows? By then, maybe the Texans will have hired D'Amico Ryans. But send your questions to H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. Draft questions are good. NFL questions of any type. Astro questions. We answer them all. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail. We answer the good ones. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. And big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting this podcast to all of you. He does a great job. Big thanks to all of you for downloading, sharing. If you're new to this, thank you for stopping by. And we hope that you'll hit that subscribe button so you automatically get the podcast sent to your mobile device or your computer or wherever it is you listen to the Utopia Football Podcast. So we are done. We'll see you in a couple of days. Big week for the Houston Texans. So um, if there is a head coaching hire and it drops out of the sky, there may be an emergency episode of the podcast coming out. So just keep, uh, keep in tune with that. Um, But for John McClain, the Hall of Famer, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see you all later this week. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, everybody.